welcome to another Breakthrough Research Podcast episode. I'm, my name is Marjorie. I'm a senior lecturer in artificial intelligence at Sheffield Hallam University, and I'm hosting today's episode. The Breakthrough Research Podcast is supported by the Industry and Innovation Research Institute at Sheffield Hallam University. And we are, we, this is the idea. We are going to give you an insight into, into the work that we do. So, so you are going to you know, find out about lots of very interesting uh, research topics and researchers that are working on, that, on those topics. Okay? On your lunch, in the morning or evening, we want to be there on your break. Screens down and tune in to learn so much more about not only the new and exciting research, but also the journeys behind the researchers themselves. Today, we have with us Dr. Nicola Aberdeen. She's a senior lecturer in anatomy and physiology, which is very cool. It's very, you know, interesting topic, and I'm sure we'll have lots of questions to ask her about. And she's also part of the healthcare science degree apprenticeship team, which we will find out about, about that more. In order to comply with social distancing, we are making the recordings by digital platform with simple equipment that we have at home. We might even get extra help from small children or pets, so you can imagine that this chat is happening just next to you. The episode that you are listening now was recorded on the 10th of March, 2021. So, Nicola. Thank you. Thank you for, you know, being with us today. The first question we always ask in our podcast is, what path led you to your current work and, and working in Sheffield Holland? So it's, uh, I took a bit of a, a roundabout tour, actually, in order to get to Sheffield Hallam. As you can hear from my accent, I'm originally from Scotland. And I did my undergraduate degree at the University of Dundee in biomedical science. Uh, after I finished that degree, I moved to Edinburgh to Harriet Watt University to complete my PhD. And it was at Harriet Watt where I really started to investigate the roles of obesity. So specifically looking at fat cells, adipose tissue. And in, in, in cells, so in cell culture, and uh, it was really, really interesting. It was a really great three years of my life. And at the end of it, I was able to secure a postdoctoral research fellowship in Jackson, Mississippi. So of all places, I ended up moving over to um, Mississippi for three years uh, to continue that obesity-led uh, research. Um, it was slightly different this time. Uh, rather than looking at cell models, I was looking at whole systems in response to cardiovascular disease. And it was an amazing time. It was a, actually the Center for Obesity Research that I was working within as part of the University of Mississippi Medical Center. So it was a really hot topic and a really great area to be, to be working within. And it was full-time research. So I was a, a postdoctoral researcher there, uh, but I started to really like the teaching aspect of the, the programs that I was uh, working on. And an opportunity arose uh, back in Sheffield. And so I decided to uh, emigrate back home. Uh, so I was, you know, close to Scotland, closer than Mississippi. It was easier to get home for a holiday. Um, and yeah, and, and brought some of that research with me. I had to, to tweak it slightly. So I'm now in a, in a, a more new area of research than I was when I was in Mississippi, uh, but equally as exciting. 
So now I'm splitting my time between that research and teaching on the anatomy and physiology courses that we offer within the department of bioscience and chemistry. Wow. So you are you already, you know, demonstrated that you have quite a lot of experience. Uh, you mentioned I work your main area of research is obesity. And then you mentioned that you work with cell, uh, cells and then you mentioned some like people towards the end during your, your, your research assistant in a row. Can you explain to our listeners, how do you do research on obesity just looking at cells? That's a great question. So we have different cell lines you, you might be aware of depending on the type of research someone is doing. They might be interested in uh, skin cells or uh, liver cells, heart cells. The, the cells that I was interested in were the fat cells. So the, the adipocytes that you have within your bodies, um, we can culture in uh, what we call an, um, an in vitro environment. So within an incubator, we keep it at uh, uh, temperature and carbon dioxide concentrations that you would expect to find in a human body. And we are able to, to treat those cells as if they were experiencing the same environment that we would find within the body. So we can add, for example, um, we can give those cells a high fat diet, for example, we can treat them with fatty acids and see how they react intracellularly, checking changes in protein concentrations for example. Wow, it must be so fun working with all those, you know, very cool kids that you mentioned. Can you explain to our listeners, um, how do you, you know, uh, what is the life of someone that works in the lab, like you mentioned, you know, what, what kind of things they have to manipulate, what kind of, of experiments do you normally run, and how long do they take? Because, uh, because of COVID, uh, uh, we hear a lot, you know, that some 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 of the things they work in vitro, as you mentioned, but then when you try on on real people, it's not the same story most of the time. So, can you tell us a bit more about your day-to-day -day activities uh, before the pandemic, when you could, you know, go to the lab? Absolutely. So, I, I sort of mentioned at the beginning that my research uh, topic changed when I moved back from America, and rather than looking at the cardiovascular effects of obesity, we've started to now look at the bone remodeling effects of obesity. So my research is focusing on the, the bone remodeling that takes place in response to um, increased weight gain. So that is the effect, the loading effect of obesity on bones the heavier you are the, the more weight those bones have to support and therefore they can remodel to accommodate that but you also have a change in your hormone profile um, when you become overweight and that interaction of the the change in the hormone profile and the loading is what my new area of research is focusing on at Sheffield Hallam so it's quite different on a day-to-day -day basis now than, than what it was previously. So I, I'm currently actually sitting opposite my, my research computer where, where I analyze 3D models of bone structures. So I, I look at the, the inside of bones and I measure different parameters that can change in response to uh, body weight and 
the presence or absence of hormones. So it's quite fun. It's quite interactive. Uh, you, the hours while away as you're, you're doing these types of analysis, creating 3D models and, and, and things like that. So for me, yeah, it's really, really interesting, uh, interesting work quite varied wow yeah i i wouldn't i wouldn't agree more you know uh, you, the way you speak you, you sound very passionate about you know the topic itself but can you tell our listeners how did you end up doing a biomedical science degree and then you know choosing obesity you men you mentioned your career path but when you were a child did you always think oh i'm going to work with obesity or did, how did that came out so it was really interesting. I really enjoyed science at school, in high school, and I really enjoyed art. Though they were the two um, topics that I uh, performed the best in and, and enjoyed the most. And I sort of had to flip a coin actually when I went to, to apply for um, degree programs because I did enjoy both of those topics so, so much. But it was my what we have in Scotland are standard grades rather than GCSEs. It was my standard grade uh, biology teacher who uh, was on placement. So she was actually a trainee teacher and she was so passionate. And so um, it, was an, it was an enjoyable experience to be in her classroom learning about the body and learning about the anatomy uh, and the physiology that, that came along with that. And I think that, to me, maybe in the back of my mind, maybe seated something, I like science and I like this class teaching. So maybe that's, maybe that's where the link uh, came from. So, so I applied for biomedical science at Dundee and I was fortunate enough to get in. And uh, yeah, so I did a, a four-year degree program. Uh, up in Dundee. Yeah, I think it's so important, isn't it, to have, you know, like a role model or, or good practicing when the teachers, you know, they captivate the interest of the students. They, they can change basically our lives. I wouldn't agree more. It was the same with me. So I had a very, you know, uh, inspiring maths teacher. So that's what made me want to go and, and do a computer science degree. Very, very cool. Right. So can you tell our listeners what was the main change in your, you know, activities on a daily basis when you switched from being a full-time researcher that did a bit of teaching to a full-time academic that did research? Absolutely. So for me, the, the major change was the, the student contact time. So I, I really increased my engagement time with students uh, doing tutorials and lectures um, and developing that content really um, it was it was very different than sitting in the lab all day. There's a lot more administrative work uh, and duties that you might not um, have realized before when you were a full-time researcher. But for me, the teaching role is incredibly rewarding. So I found that even though the the split of the administrative to contact time uh, was far greater, I still found that time a lot more rewarding. Um, you know, when, when I went home at night, I felt like I'd made an impact and, you know, people were learning uh, new material. And when they were getting that, that light bulb moment in the labs, when we were teaching practical classes, it was just really, it was a really nice experience. So I, I certainly do more of that and enjoy it compared to 
before when I was 90, 95% of the time working uh, in the labs. Yeah, just for our listeners to understand, you know, in academia, you can be a full-time researcher. So you basically only do research. Or you can be an academic when you, you do quite a lot of teaching and then in, you interaction, interaction with students, but you also can do a bit of, teach, of, of research as well. So that's, it, they, those, are, those are, you know, two main career paths that you could, you could uh, pursue when you are in, in a university setting. Right, so you mentioned that you find really rewarding, uh, you know, interacting with the students, but can you tell us, you know, the, the main thing that you enjoy for being an academic and the worst part of the, of being an academic in your opinion. Oh, okay. So we start, we'll start with the worst first and then we'll end on a, we'll end on a high. Um, worst bit, the, the admin, the, the paperwork that's got to go along with all the assessments and the, the moderation and, and things like that, you know, just, just the paperwork that, that has to get done. It's not overly enjoyable, or, but, it's part of the job and, and I understand that and it, and it needs to get done. You know, someone's got to do it. So, so that's probably the least enjoyable aspect. The, the most enjoyable part for me is the, the lecturing and the practical interaction, the performing and getting to deliver the content that you find so fascinating and interesting to what you hope is a captive audience. They are there to, to learn and to listen and our job is to, to make that as enjoyable as possible. And luckily for me, we get to do some great practicals, recording uh, live ECG recordings on the students. We get them to cycle, drink caffeine and uh, measure their, their blood concentrations of certain um, proteins and markers and yeah working is, is a really nice team and that uh, progression as you see the students go from year to year and they remember the practical experiences and they, they improve uh, as they go through is probably the best thing about the, the teaching that I enjoy. Yeah sounds like fun you know just to reassure our our audience that they, all these students are very safe okay oh, yes. <laughs> they are not being they are not being you know uh, traumatized by the degree I'm sure I am a hundred percent sure <laughs> Nicola can you tell us you know your your title you are senior lecturer in anatomy and physiology and for for a lot of people you know those two things they are associated with you know dealing with you know dead bodies and you know having classes that you need to you know manipulate and and maybe have something that is not completely, you know, fine. Can you tell us a bit uh, to our listeners, how, uh, what kind of, you know, modules do you teach without giving too much of the technical details, but uh, do you teach like an anatomy class or do you teach like a, just a physiology class and how it is? So if we have some, some, you know, school children listening, they might get interested, hopefully. Sure. So we we teach a, a range of modules within the courses that we offer, and they range across the sciences from microbiology, uh, where we're looking at uh, microorganisms, bacteria and viruses and yeast, all the way through to uh, the, the full human body, the, the types of modules that I teach on. 
And we do not do dissection per se within Sheffield Hallam, within our particular degree courses, but we do use um, textbooks and practical classes in order to introduce key concepts around these topics to the students. So they do get a hands-on um, experience. For example, we do uh, look at the kidney in detail and we look at the heart, for example, as well. Um, so these types of uh, models are available and students have the the option to participate or not depending on how they they feel about the situation so you really can get as hands-on um, as you as you feel appropriate so that's very important to you know demystify you know those degrees they are very very important uh, we need people working on these areas and it's it's it we made you know like the lecturers made the whole you know learning experience as comfortable as possible so if you are interested in the topic but you don't want to you know to handle this kind of situations don't worry come and join us and then we can look after you so please do get in touch right talking a bit more about yourself so you you are quite young, you know, from you are you don't have a very long career, but you achieved quite a lot and, and you sound very passionate. Can you tell us a bit about the kind of ambitions that you have for your future career? Thank you very much for, for those kind words. I appreciate them very much. Uh, I, I would like to, as I mentioned, the, the research area that I am I'm currently uh, establishing within the Biomolecular Science Research Centre is to do with bone remodelling and we have just uh, been awarded a European grant for a, an imaging centre within our uh, department and as part of that I, I led the micro CT so the micro um, computer tomography uh, scanner grant. So this is just a very, very expensive piece of kit that can scan bones. It, it non-destructively is able to look inside these bone samples that I'm interested in so that I can do the, the further analysis. It's a very big posh x-ray machine, basically. And so over the next five to 10 years, it would be my goal to, to develop that area of research within the university and branch out, create a, a micro CT interest group. I know we have a lot of departments that would benefit from the use of this machinery. And I want to get them all in a room together so that we can get engineering and uh, the physical uh, sciences as well as um, our, our life sciences uh, all together so that we can really start to, to work um, towards you know um, key goals and I think that that is alongside my teaching which I, I don't want to change I really like the balance that I have um, with my teaching and research I, I do the majority of my work uh, as teaching and for me that's a really a nice balance I really enjoy that wow congratulations on the award you know as, as a researcher myself I know how hard those big grants are to get so well done we talked about a, a lot about you know teaching and, and undergraduate degrees but I mentioned right at the beginning that you are you know part of a team that does you know healthcare science degrees apprenticeship 
Do you want to tell our listeners a bit more about that? Excellent. So hopefully we will have some, you know, some of the targeted, you know, audience listening as well so they can come and have a look. Right. So we are moving towards the end of our podcast. So we have a few more questions to ask you. Right. So when Nicola is not working, what is she doing? What does she like to do? In non-COVID times, um, my, my interests are playing tennis. So myself and my partner, we, we like to play a lot of tennis, especially if the weather's good. Um, he is much, much better than me. So probably a lot more frustrating for him than it is for me to play, but I really enjoy it nonetheless. Um, what else? I, uh, I do crocheting. I'm a real craft kid. I like painting and crocheting, knitting, um, and, and generally just trying to stay active. So yeah, that's probably about where you could find me on a Saturday afternoon. Yeah. Hopefully we will be able to, you know, do outdoors, you know, group activities, soon enough so hopefully well very 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 cool right and you mentioned we mentioned about you know a lot of things so we we talked about the different degrees that we offer that you offer in, in your department but if anyone who might be high school children might be someone who is doing a degree somewhere or it might be someone that a company that would like to collaborate or indeed someone that would like to do a phd on this area can you give us an overview of what the opportunities are there to work with you and within your group that would be available and where they could find information. I think the first, the main thing is would be to get in contact. There are lots of funding opportunities available, um, even if that's through applying for money uh, independently or writing a collaborative grant and submitting that to uh, societies. So there's Bone Research Society specifically relating to my work. But again, for um, a lot of people in the department, it's the same thing, getting in touch, uh, making that initial contact, and then we could start to develop a plan around how we can uh, either acquire funding to, to do something like a studentship or a PhD fellowship or just to develop ideas. You know, sometimes it doesn't have to be something as concrete as that to just get a project started. Um, Definitely um, collaborations are absolutely uh, welcomed for, for this type of research and um, the, the university itself, we have a lot of internal funding to promote our students and to increase their knowledge and understanding. So we definitely have the opportunity for students to uh, come to, to the department and spend some time with us. Um, acquiring some of these new skills and techniques that we've been talking about. Fabulous. Yeah, we have lots of options there. So hopefully one of them will suit you. Excellent. So we hope you enjoyed our break time podcast. Thank you, Nicola, for joining us. Thank you for having me. See you next time where we'll be meeting with another of our researchers. So screens down and tune in. You won't want to miss it.